This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary. Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. Uh, Every week we talk on this podcast about practical issues related to ministry leadership. And today I want to do just that. I want to talk about something that may seem uh, routine or even out of touch or something that you don't even want to think about or that you think is irrelevant. But uh, I think after you hear the podcast, you might change your mind. I want to talk about dress codes. I want to talk about what people wear uh, who are in ministry leadership, and I want to talk secondarily about organizational decisions that have to be made about dress code issues. Now, before you say, man, who even cares about that? We don't need that. That's not something that we think about. Well, if you've ever worked in any organization of any size, you know that almost every organization does have to think about this. Uh, For example, if you go to Chick-fil-A, they've got a dress code. If you go to a law office, they have a dress code. If you go to uh, a governmental office, they have a dress code. Uh, If you go anywhere in, in work environments, you'll find out that there is some prescription or description of what people are expected to wear uh, when they're on the job and when they're doing things that represent an organization. And frankly, uh, it's no different in ministry organizations. And so if you're a pastor and you just have one or two employees or you're a seminary like us with more than 150, then you have to think about these things because uh, if you don't, you're setting yourself up for people um, interpreting these issues in ways that ultimately are going to cause more conflict than if you have a simple a directive to help people know what you expect. Uh, another reason this is important is because um, uh, it, how we dress, believe it or not, really does communicate a lot more than we think it does. And I want to talk about that a little later in the podcast. But before I go any further, let me just assure those of you who don't know me very well that I'm not the old man on the porch yelling, get off my yard. I'm not about to uh, tell everybody they have to wear a suit or, or say that there's one way that every minister in the whole world should have to dress or anything like that. And in fact, I'm really flexible uh, in this area in my personal practices. I speak all over the country in different contexts and settings, and one of the questions we ask when we uh, accept, when I expect to ex- accept a speaking engagement is, um, what what are the expectations of dress in your community, or what does the pastor normally wear on a Sunday, or what kind of event is this? Is it at a camp? Is it at a college? Is it on a con- at a conference center? Is it at the First Baptist Church where people wear robes? I mean, what kind of event is it? And so we have to ask these questions, and I try to be flexible and fit into all kinds of settings and all kinds of contexts. And then I'd also say that um, I I have a certain set of standards for myself and a certain set of expectations for our school, uh, but that's unique to us. Uh, That doesn't mean in any way that my standards of expectation should be uh, adopted by everyone. I I certainly don't think that is at all. Uh, But I do think that every organization has to think through these issues for a whole uh, set of reasons, which I'm going to get to more Uh, in just a moment. So today we're talking about dress codes. Uh, What do we wear? Why do we wear it? And why does it matter in the organizations that we lead? Now, I want to get eventually to giving you seven questions to ask and answer as you're formulating your response on this. And I've already said, I'm not going to give you a formulaic answer. Everybody has to do this, or this is what's best in every situation, or this is what you ought to do. That, that's really not the tone of what this podcast is about. Instead, I want to give you some categories to think through the issue. But before I do that, let me make a couple of general observations. First of all, let me acknowledge up front that the changing habits of what people wear is hard to keep up with these days. 
uh, fashion changes, expectations change, uh, what people wear in different contexts and setting has changed. And depending on uh, your cultural setting and understanding, uh, it, 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 the answers to these questions can really be quite varied. But I'd also like to say that there's some myths out there uh, about dress today that I think need to be confronted. First of all, one myth is everyone in every workplace is going casual. Now, that's just simply not true. Uh, law offices are not casual. Governmental offices are not casual. I was talking uh, recently to my son. He works for the United States State Department, and he told me, Dad, in the last 13 years, I've worn a suit every day I was in the office, including Fridays. There is no casual day representing the U.S. government around the world. Um, financial services organizations tend to dress uh, in business dress. Uh, real estate brokers, funeral home directors. Let, let's go back to real estate brokers for a moment because I had a really interesting experience with this when I first came to Southern California. We were coming down to look at buying the building where the seminary is currently located, and back then, uh, while the building looked finished on the outside, inside it was just a, a an empty shell. It was just concrete and wires hanging from the ceilings and that kind of thing. So we flew down to look at the building, and we were meeting uh, attorneys, real estate brokers, and the CEO of the company that owned the building. We were meeting them on site. Uh, they said, just get in the building, ride the elevator up to the sixth floor. You can see the views from there. We'll have some presentation materials for you, and we'll talk about uh, the options. Now, I think I'm going to an empty building, concrete, hanging wires. Um, I'm going to Southern California. It's the middle of the summer. So I dressed pretty casually that day. So I fly down from the Bay Area. I walk into the meeting, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, every one of the women was wearing a dress, and every one of the men had on a suit and a tie. And I thought, wow, okay then. Even in Southern California, when there's millions of dollars on the table and the grown-ups show up for work, <laughs> well, they look like it. And so in that moment, I realized that, you know, uh, there are still certain fields of uh, of professional activity and endeavor like law and real estate and finance where people still show up for work dressed pretty formally. Uh, so that myth that everybody's going casual everywhere at work, that's just really not the case. And then the second myth is that dressing super casual makes you a person of the people. In other words, if you can just dress yourself down far enough, you can fit in and show everyone that that, that you really are a, a person of the people. And, and I, I'll tell you how comical this is to me. I, I was in a mall recently, uh, mid to upscale mall, walking through, just went to shopping, you know, and I saw a, a clothing store, women's clothing store. So I just looking through the window and they had a rack of jeans there. And so I thought, well, those are fascinating because they have tears in them and holes in them. And so I just slipped inside and picked up a price tag, $300. $300 to buy a pair of jeans that already had six or eight holes in the front. And the person who wanted to purchase those wanted to try to say by doing so, I'm a person of the people. I, I don't want to look all dressed up. I want to look all dressed down. And I'm willing to pay $300 for that to happen. So uh, while very casual may make you think you're a person of the people, paying $300 for a pair of jeans doesn't quite qualify uh, for that, that uh, title. Well, another thing I'd observe about dress is people like to wear uniforms. Uh, they all like to dress up in a way that identifies them with the group. You, you see this in a lot of different ways. First of all, sports teams. 
Uh, I'm not embarrassed to admit that I actually own four or five Oregon Ducks shirts. And when we go to Ducks games, we wear the duck clothing on the plane flying there, and we wear the duck clothing to the game, and we wear it out to the restaurants after, and we walk around saying go Ducks to people. And when I pass somebody in an airport that's wearing an Oregon jersey or an Oregon shirt, even if I'm not wearing one, I'll throw them a go Ducks and just see if they'll respond. So we all like to wear uniforms, and one way we show that is by sports teams. We also like logo shirts. Uh, They're a very popular giveaway at the seminary, and frankly, for most organizations. Uh, We actually give new employees logo clothing so that on logo days here in the building, we can have everybody wearing them and uh, create that sense of solidarity. T-shirts are another example. Uh, I can't remember the last time my wife taught at a vacation Bible school that they didn't have a VBS T-shirt. In fact, one summer, my wife taught at three vacation Bible schools, and that is another podcast. Wow, is my wife committed to children. But my wife taught at three vacation Bible schools, and they all three had a different shirt that really communicated the solidarity of the team and what that church was trying to accomplish by its VBS team. So uh, so that's a, uh, another observation. So in terms of general observations, uh, uh, pe- habits are changing, and everyone acknowledges that, and it's hard to keep up. There's some myths out there about casual and super casual that really need to be confronted. Everybody likes likes to wear a uniform. And, and here's one other observation I've made, and that is pastors are no different than anyone else. They, they struggle with what to wear, and ministry leaders want to try to fit in, and, and, and they like having a kind of a uniform too. And frankly, uh, there is kind of a uniform these days of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of pastors and ministry leaders, and I'll just call it suburban cool. It's designer jeans, untucked shirts, and if you can grow one, a beard. Designer jeans, untucked shirts, and beards. So I had another funny experience with this recently. I was in the Chicago airport, and if you've been there, it's jam-packed. Thousands and thousands of people going by. Uh, I was at the gate, and I noticed uh, a person there uh, with designer jeans, untucked shirt, about 35, 40 years old, uh, reading his Bible and taking notes. And uh, without, uh, you know, much investigation on my part, it was pretty obvious that this was a serious Bible student and a pastor who was putting together notes and uh, talking points and some kind of message that he was going to deliver. So I looked at what he had on and I thought, that's interesting to me. I could pick him out uh, from not only the Bible study, but from the clothing. That guy's a pastor. And I thought, I wonder if I can find another one that looks just like him, or someone that he's trying to identify with around. So I started watching as hundreds of men walked by. And I want to tell you, I did not see one guy walk by with designer jeans, an untucked shirt, and a beard. Uh, It was so obvious that the pastor really fit a stereotype of what, quote, pastors look like today, and all the other men walking by that were on their way to work or traveling or for for business or out there engaged in different activity that would require them to be in the airport, uh, none of them looked quite like that. So I was reminded again that everybody likes to wear a uniform. Everyone likes to know how other people who do what they do dress and people like to fit in. Well, uh, enough about these casual observations. Let's get to the questions. I want to give you seven questions now, seven questions to think through. Uh, when you're trying to sort out this issue of dress code in your ministry organization or for you, for, for you personally. Uh, so here they are. Number one, first question. Who are you trying to connect with, with your dress decisions? Who are you trying to connect with? That's an important question. And frankly, it's really the only question most people ask. 
And it's a great question. Who are you trying to connect with? And so when I go into a ministry setting, I want to connect with the people that I'm going to be seeking to or connect with the audience that's going to be hearing me or connect with the people I'm going there to meet. And so it's important to think about who are you trying to connect to so that you can feel comfortable and even more importantly, the people you're going to be with will also feel comfortable uh, by the encounter. So first question, who are you trying to connect with? And as I said, that's an important question, but it's the only question that most people ever consider. Let me give you some more questions to think about as you're trying to settle this issue. Number two. Second question is, who are you representing? Now, that's a very significant question. Who are you representing? If you're a pastor or ministry leader, you're certainly representing yourself. You're also representing God, and you're representing the church or the ministry organization that you're leading or that you're serving. You represent someone besides yourself. Who are you representing? Now, this became very significant to me a number of years ago when a person was elected to leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention who liked to dress very casually. After he appeared the first time in public, a very prominent uh, pastor, uh, a Korean pastor, came to my office to ask me a question. He said, "Uh, I've listened to the speaker, and I want to support him, but I'd like to ask you a question. Why does he dress like my youth pastor intern? Does he not understand that he he, uh, represents me on a global platform every time he speaks? Well, I helped this pastor who... Uh, was trying to be supportive to understand uh, some cultural issues that were going on and some different expectations that he might have of this particular leader and, and tried to defend the leader as best I could. But, but the reality was, um, as a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention, I do represent all Southern Baptists. And I represent them in a national or, in some sense, global platform. And so you have the same kind of responsibility. Uh, when you represent, uh, when we, wherever you work, ministry, organization, or church, you represent those people everywhere you go. Now, uh, this came home to me in another context when I when I asked uh, a group that I, where I was going to speak about uh, the kind of audience that I'd be addressing and and what would I could expect in terms of the the, the climate or the you know the 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 uh, the, the uh, not the not the weather climate but the, the the tone of the meeting that kind of thing, and the person said, "Oh, Mr. President, uh, you'll you'll need to wear a suit. The people will expect you to act like a president." Now that was an interesting phrase, "act like a president." Uh, the people that I was going to speak to, again, a particular ethnic group, have a high regard for people that serve in executive leadership responsibilities like the one I have. And they had an expectation that I was going to come not just as a speaker, but I was going to come as the president. And they were expecting me to come and represent the seminary in that capacity. You know, this is one of the things we talk about here at Gateway. Uh, I don't particularly care that much about uh, the details of the dress code that our employees uh, impl- that we implement with our employees. I, I think we have to meet some standards and other things, but sometimes people ask me, well, why does it really matter? Uh, the person I work with doesn't really care, and I say, no, they don't. But what if the president of another convention or another seminary or a national leader walks into our campus that day 
and you're the person who greets them, and you'll be representing Gateway Seminary and Southern Baptist to this person. You say, well, how often does that happen? Well, it happens at our place more often than you might think. Uh, Just this summer, twice, uh, with two days' notice, I received an email saying, I'm the president of an international seminary, or I'm the president of an international Baptist uh, convention. Um, I'm I'm in the area. I'm coming to your campus. I'd like to have a tour, or I'd like to meet, meet you if possible. Uh, I remember one day when I was here on campus when the president of the Nigerian Baptist Convention, the largest Baptist convention outside the United States in the world, uh, when the president of the Nigerian Baptist Convention drove onto campus unannounced and said, I was in the area, I've always wanted to see your school, Uh, could I have a short tour? Is there anyone who could show me around? So while that may not happen at your church every day, uh, it does happen at places like where we work, and so it's an important question to ask and answer. Who are you representing? A third uh, question to ask is, what are the community expectations, or more specifically, how many cultures are you going to interface with in your organization or in the event that you're going to be attending? Now, I've already mentioned Koreans and some of the expectations they may have. I'd also mention African Americans as an important constituency of Gateway Seminary, and we have to recognize that in both of those cultures, uh, the dress expectations of people in senior leadership are a little different than the rest of the people in the organization. Uh, For example, I'm a member of an African American church, and I preach in African American churches on a fairly regular basis, and I can tell you that uh, the expectation in those churches is that I'm going to come, uh, again, dressed uh, as a senior leader in business attire with a suit, and that I'm not going to dress uh, to impress, but I'm going to dress to represent, and there's a difference there. Uh, they're not expecting me to uh, to impress them with what I'm wearing. They're expecting me to represent my school and represent our movement to them. And they put such a high regard and almost a reverence on the pulpit and the preaching ministry that they expect persons who are in that role to, to, to dress a certain way. Now, uh, this is also an issue about culture in relationship to um, uh, different cultures economically, different cultures socially. Uh, different cultures educationally. Uh, it's important to understand the culture you're going into and how you represent your organization in that culture when you think about what you'll be wearing when you go. Here's another question to ask. What's the age range or how many different age groups will you interface with uh, when you're in the meeting or at the event or in your building? You know, one of the realities uh, is that uh, a lot of Prominent Christian leaders uh, in churches and ministry organizations, including significant donors, are older, and they do have different expectations. Um, you know, if I was going out to uh, to visit a, a 22-year-old tech executive about their relationship to the seminary, I, I'd probably dress one way, but if I was going to visit a 72-year-old retired executive, um, I'd probably think about dressing a different way. Uh, Because I want to be at ease with that person, and I want them to be at ease with me. And I recognize that different age groups and different ages have different expectations about these issues. So who are you trying to connect with? That's the question that most people ask, and really the only one. But that leads us to at least three more. Who are you representing? Not just yourself, but your organization, and not just your organization, but perhaps the movement of Southern Baptists or even the movement of the gospel around the world. How many cultures are you going to interface with and how many communities are you going to connect with? And then as a part of that, how many different ages will you interface with and what are the different age ranges and their expectations? And then last, another question, what will you be doing? 
Are you going to be preaching at a funeral for a longtime member of your church? Are you going to be leading a baptism at the beach? I mean, that's a different kind of context, and I certainly recognize that you're going to need to dress different ways for different things, but thinking about the context you're going into and and, and what you're going to do when you're there really does play a, a role in deciding uh, you know, what that's going to what you're going to wear there. And then here's another question. What will will you communicate uh, by what you wear? Now, I got a couple of stories here that uh, that really help me to understand that that what I wear and what people wear does really communicate something. I have a pastor friend who works in Arizona, pastors a church there. Uh, extremely effective pastor. He came out of the business background, a business background, um, brought that into pastoral ministry. Uh, very effective at reaching people, especially men, because of his background. Uh, men really connect with him and and uh, really drawn to his ministry. So he's he's had a, a very productive uh, pr- productive pastoral uh, ministry. At one point, uh, he decided to make a major change and plant a new church, and so he did that. Moved to a an elementary school, planted a church, and again because of his abilities and his uh, winsomeness, uh, it was not very long before. Significant numbers of people were coming, several hundred, to this church plant in a in, a, in an elementary school. And I went over there one Sunday to to visit, um, and I think to to speak or to say something about the seminary, but just to be a part of the service. And uh, and it was what you'd expect, uh, Arizona casual, you know, a lot of people in shorts, a lot of people with uh, you know golf shirts or casual clothing like that. Perfectly appropriate. You're in an elementary school. It's Arizona casual. It's pretty hot, and the pastor, you know dressed uh, much that same way. Well, I didn't think anything about it. So some months later, um, I was here in California at a conference, and this pastor walks in. Now, that kind of surprised me. He's come from Arizona to California for a conference. So I said, man, great to see you over here. What what brought you this way? And he said, I came over because of the strength of this uh, conference uh, program. I really need to experience here what they're teaching. And so I want to come over and give it a couple of days. I said, that's great. And the second thing I noticed, he's wearing a suit. <laughs> I said, well, man, listen, um, I, I'm glad you came, but I, gotta, I just got to straight up ask you, what, what's with the suit? And he said, that's an interesting story. He said, uh, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, had a service, a funeral service, right after the, the Sunday services concluded at my church. I had to go straight to the funeral home, and we were doing the memorial service straight that afternoon. And it was for a, a, an older man that I had known in a previous ministry, and and I, I knew that you know there'd be a number of people there from the from my older church and a lot of older members. And this man was a, a you know a very highly regarded, esteemed leader in the community. So I, I wore a suit. And he said, I, I wore the suit to church because, quite honestly, I just didn't have time to go home and change. And so um, I, I put it on, and I went early to Starbucks, and I was down there reading the Bible and just you know doing my normal Sunday morning routine of kind of ramping up my mind about the message and getting myself ready to go. And uh, while I'm sitting there at Starbucks, a woman comes over to me and says, excuse me, sir, I see you studying your Bible, and I don't mean to interrupt, but are you a pastor? And he thought, man, I'm wearing a suit reading the Bible. Of course he thinks I'm a pastor. So I said, yes, actually, I am a pastor. She said, where's your church? And he said, well, we meet at the elementary school just down the street. We start in about 45 minutes, and I'd love to have you come down. She said, you know, I'd like that. And then she said, you know, I've been looking for a church, and I've been to several, but quite honestly, most of the time the pastor looks like he's on his way to the beach. I'm looking for someone who takes it a little more seriously. I really need help to find God. And you, you you look like you could help me. 
And he said, Jeff, she came to our church that day, and I've established a relationship with her, and and I'm trying to help her in her relationship with God because she perceives me as a pastor who takes things a little more seriously. So I, he said, I wore my suit on to church that day. He goes, now, on Sunday, we have a response card where everybody can write comments, you know. And he said, we have, you know, two, three hundred people there, and, and I get comments every Sunday. Pray for me about this. You know, I have this urgent issue, or do you know about this going on, you know, in this person's life? He said, I get all kinds of responses. He said, that Sunday, I got more than a dozen cards that wrote on the card, hey, thanks for wearing the suit today. I really appreciate you taking your work this seriously, or something like that. He goes, I was shocked. He said, I had no idea that people even cared. And worse than that, I had no idea that it would be a positive thing if I dressed up like that. So he said, so for the past several weeks in Arizona, I've been wearing a suit to church in an elementary school, just a coat and tie and, and usually a full suit and, uh, and just watching how people have changed, how they relate to me. He said, Jeff, it really does communicate something that I never imagined. And I thought, wow. Now, don't, don't take the story wrong. I am not telling you to wear a suit in Arizona to church every Sunday. I don't think this pastor kept doing it forever. But I am telling you that it does really communicate something to people how you dress. And you may not think it does, but it really does. I had another example of this that's kind of a, a different kind of example, more of a personal one. I, uh, I get to speak on some college campuses from time to time, and I'm always concerned about, you know, trying to how to fit in on those campuses because obviously college campuses are super casual and especially among the students, and that's fine. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I just always wonder, you know, do I show up like a president? Do I show up like a student? What, what, what do I do here? Well, I've decided, you know, I'll just be who I am. And so typically I show up, uh, especially to speak at a conference or something like that, you know, with slacks and a shirt, no, no tie, no jacket, nothing like that, but, but maybe dressed a little nicer than, than maybe the students would be, or maybe other people on the platform. And I, I spoke at this one conference, about 600 college students there, and the band was up there rocking, and they all had on the standard uniform, jeans, untucked shirt, and beards, and they were just great, and I, they were great, great guys, and they did a great job, and then the people came out and did the introductions, and they did the announcements, and everybody's wearing the same uniform except me, and I got my shirt tucked in, so I go up there, and I do my thing, just preached and shared and did, did what I was called on to do, and, and, uh, and afterwards, you know, had some affirming response from different people. So we got off to the side later in a private meeting with the organizers. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I said, why, why do you, did you invite me? I said, I'm, I'm out of touch with college students. I'm not a college student. Man, listen, I am not hip. I am not cool. And then I made a joke. I said, hey, look, you know, I'm the only guy on the stage who had his shirt tucked in. I am so out of date and so out of touch. Um, I can't even believe you guys keep asking me back, but it seemed to, it seemed like it went, it went okay. And they said, Jeff, it went fine. They said, we'll tell you why we invite you back because you don't try to act like what you're not. And the students respect that. I thought, wow, that's a pretty profound statement. They said, you don't try to come in here looking like, you know, some 30 year old hipster pastor. You're not, you're a 60 year old grandfather and you don't mind that and you wear it comfortably and you just are who you are and because of that um people respect you for it and 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 they they listen to you well that really spoke to me because i realized that day that while it's important to think about what you're communicating by what you wear it's also important not to try to fake it or try to communicate something you're not by what you wear so think about the question of what do you communicate from those two perspectives 
and then make a good decision that both honors the people you're trying to connect with and communicates the right thing to them, but also uh, remains some authenticity about who you really are. And then the final thing I'd say is that you can also, the last question is what climate or what tone are you trying to communicate, especially in your workplace by, by how you dress? You know, I, man, I, I like to dress casual when I am not at work. When I, when I leave and go home, first thing I do is lose the shoes. I hate wearing shoes. I lose those the first second I'm in the house. And then here in California, especially, man, I'm dressed, I, I change into shorts and a, a, you know, some kind of t-shirt or some kind of old, uh, around the house shirt pretty quickly. And I, I, uh, I keep it that way. I've got this one pair of pants I wear when it gets a little cooler. I probably had those pants for like seven years. And my wife's like, wow, we could get you some new pants. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got these broken in. I mean, it took five years to get them like I want them, you know, they're perfect. And so, you know, around the house, I'm, I'm super casual, but when I come to work, I don't, I don't dress that way. And part of the reason is because when I come to work, I want to remind myself and I want the people around me to remember that we are here to get work done. This is not a retreat center. It's a production facility. Uh, this is not a sit around and shoot the breeze place. This is a get the business done place. And I want to communicate that. And so it helps me uh, to have uh, in my mind, uh, this is how I dress when I'm working. This is how I dress when I'm not. And really kind of make that switch every day really helps me to set the tone for what I want going on in my office and what I want going on with the people who work with me on a regular basis. Well, dress codes. It's a silly subject for some. Some think it's an irrelevant subject, but I think uh, it does have more impact than we might think. Uh, every single person needs to think through these issues. And if you're an organizational leader, I'm telling you, you have to think through these issues. Uh, Chick-fil-A's thought it through. Your attorney's office has thought it through. Your bank has thought it through. Uh, everybody's thought it through. And so does your ministry organization. And when you think it through, uh, there's no one-size-fits-all answer, but think through these seven questions. Who are you trying to connect with? Who are you representing? How many cultures or communities will you interface with? How many ages will you interface with? What will you be doing at this particular task or job or responsibility? What will you communicate by what you wear? And what climate or tone do you want to set in the organization that you lead? Now, again, uh, this is not uh, going to change the world in a sense that it's a doctrinal issue or it's not going to uh, make the difference of whether you uh, succeed or don't succeed. But it is something that just needs to be thought through and resolved so that you can have the smoothest operation possible without the distractions that come uh, from not from ignoring a practical issue like this. Well, okay, that ends the summer. Now, hey, one more thing I want to say about next week's podcast. Uh, next week, the podcast will be delayed one day because we're going to run my convocation message to the whole seminary community as my podcast for next week. I know I don't like to preach on the podcast, but once or twice a year, I do these convocation messages and we want to get them out as broad a distribution as possible. So I hope you'll dial in next week for a different kind of podcast. Hey, practical issues like dress codes, they're part of the deal as we lead on.